check out my new book, Coping Courageously, a heart-centered guide for navigating a loved one's illness without losing yourself. It's appropriate for you as a clinician, for your patients, and for anyone you know who has a seriously ill loved one or an aging parent. Check it out and tell a friend. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast, where we talk about integrative symptom management and physician well-being, because every physician deserves to have satisfying work, and every patient deserves an effective and joyful physician. Let's get started. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast. I'm Dr. Delia Caramonti, and today we're going to have a little more of a personal discussion because in my family, a loved one who's around my age is very, very sick, and also my dog who has been sick is probably going to have to be euthanized soon. And so it just brought up kind of from the other side, the things that I noticed that I wanted to share with you, because I think whether you're a clinician, a physician or other clinician, or if you're a family member of someone who is ill, I think these things are important. So I wanted to share my my perspective with you today. So the first thing that I noticed is that really understanding the prognosis and the illness trajectory is very important for making decisions. And that may seem obvious, but I think sometimes we have kind of a general understanding of illness trajectory and prognosis, but I think it's really important to understand to the best of anybody's knowledge what the illness trajectory is and the prognosis is. So out of my spec for my loved one, I'm not going to talk about their situation, but I'll talk about my dog's situation. But but I think the themes are really consistent. So for my dog, who is our beloved dog that we've had for 14 years that was there as my kids grew up, she has tracheomalacia. And so her, her trachea collapses and she has um, intermittent respiratory distress that is becoming less intermittent and more constant. And one of the things that we have thought about but tried not to think too much about is, well, what does the end look like then? Because in between the coughs, she seems to be in pretty good shape. So we felt like, well, it doesn't seem right to euthanize her now, but what's going to happen? And so we just had a a really important conversation with her vet, and she made it so clear that it made our decision easier. So what she said was, right now she's in some distress, but the thing that will almost certainly happen is at some point she will become completely unable to breathe, her airway will obstruct, and she'll basically suffocate to death. And so she said she would recommend that even though the dog's quality of life is pretty reasonable right now, that we might really want to consider euthanasia as a preventative of suffering. Meaning if we just wait until it happens naturally, she's going essentially to suffocate to death, either in front of us, which will be stressful for us, or if we're not there or it's in the middle of the night, perhaps all by herself. And so as a preventative for that kind of suffering, we might want to make a choice that we wouldn't otherwise think to make. And so the only reason we could come to that decision is because of that really clear description of the illness trajectory. So I think that with people, you know, it's uncomfortable to talk about what an illness trajectory looks like. And sometimes doctors don't talk about it. And sometimes families don't ask. And and a family may not want to know But sometimes they do want to know, and it's important at least to offer that availability of information in case a family does want to know, because without clear information, it's hard to make clear decisions. So that's one. 
that knowing the prognosis and illness trajectory can be really important for making decisions. Number two, once you understand the illness trajectory, is really putting together the goals of the family, the patient or family, is important. So with our dog, for example, we realized that when we really thought about our goals, we could have a goal of every single day on earth. But now that we know what her illness trajectory could look like, that will mean that her end would be tremendous suffering. And so in knowing that, we were able to see actually our goal is not every single possible day on earth, but our goal is to prevent her severe suffering. And so once we realize that our real goal is to prevent her severe suffering and her illness trajectory means that she might suffocate, that made it much clearer that even though she doesn't look like she is in terrible distress at this moment, that euthanasia is not off the table. Now, of course, it's a different kind of discussion for humans because euthanasia is not something that we do for humans. But the concept, I think, is still important there which is that really understanding the illness trajectory and really looking at what the person and family's goals are, those two things together allow you to make a good decision. So we want to make sure if we're the clinician that we are clear about the medical trajectory and that we encourage the patient and family to reflect upon their goals so that we can help them make sense of those two pieces of information. Number three is that we really should focus if somebody is coming close to the end of their life on the relief of suffering. And this came up from a dog perspective with things like being on antibiotics twice a day for months. So normally that's not good medicine and that's not something that somebody would do. But when we reduced the antibiotic, her symptoms got worse and her suffering got worse. So we had a whole conversation with her veterinarian about, yes, we know this is not typically how you use antibiotics, but it relieves her suffering. So let's do it. And that comes up with humans too. So sometimes a medication might, for example, lower blood pressure and I have seen in the hospital where nurses would sometimes get upset and say, well, we can't give that patient who's dying more morphine because their blood pressure is going down. So we have to stop. But if we stop, then their suffering goes up and this person is dying anyway. So what really matters is not the blood pressure. What really matters is relief of suffering. So as we're putting together understanding the illness trajectory understanding how goals impact decision-making. We have to remember that treating suffering, both physical and emotional suffering, should be paramount. And if something that treats suffering when someone is very close to the end of their life makes something else worse, it's okay because the first and most important thing should be relieving suffering. The fourth thing that I've noticed in this week of human and animal palliative care is that being seen and validated The patient, if it's a human, and the family for both situations is incredibly important. So it's not just being empathetic or like, oh, you know, so sorry, sympathetic, yuck. It's not that. It's being seen, right? Like, who who are you? I see who you are. I see what's valuable about you. I see as a family how much you love that person, or I see how much you love that animal. And That is so important, and it's a gift we always can give as clinicians. We always can give that to really make it clear to a patient and family that we see them and value them and ask them about their life. Ask the patient about their life. Ask the family members about their life. If it's an animal, ask the family member about how the family has incorporated this animal over the years. We forget, I think, sometimes to make people 
feel seen and validated. And that's so important. It's important always, but it's extra important when we're talking about end of life situations. And then the last thing that I noticed is the importance of the subtleties of communication. And by that, I mean kind of within the family, like for us, for our family, thinking about how and when will we have this conversation with our adult daughters who adore this dog? So does one of them have an exam or will be at work or it will be with somebody who will support them or not? So just kind of those subtleties and in a human situation, what does each person need in terms of information? Some people like tons of information. Some people don't like tons of information. Some people like to talk about emotions and other people don't like to talk about emotions. So when you're thinking about the complexities of communication, thinking not just about the facts, but about how each person will interact with the facts and what does that person need to cope well. Okay, so those are my musings this week. My musings are, number one, that when we're dealing with a palliative care coming close to the end-of-life situation, that knowing the illness trajectory and prognosis is extremely important. And as clinicians, we should make sure we're clear about that. And as family members, you should make sure to ask. And it is important to know what to ask, right? You can even just ask, what will this look like as it gets worse? What are the things we should look out for? How might we know if death is coming closer? These are the kinds of things that would be important to ask. Number two, making sure that decisions are in alignment with goals. And so what that means is we have to look at what are the goals. Is the goal every single day on earth? Is the goal to be in a certain kind of environment as in to die at home or not to die at home? And getting a sense of our goals or the family's goals can make difficult decisions like when is it the right time for euthanasia? When is it the right time for hospice? When is it the right time to stop certain interventions? That combination of illness trajectory and prognosis with goals makes tough decisions like is this the right time? easier. So that's two. Number three is to remember that preventing and treating suffering as someone comes close to the end of their life is paramount. Most important thing. And if it conflicts with something else that is medical, but not about suffering, suffering wins. Preventing or treating suffering wins. That's three. Number four is the need for people and family members to feel seen and validated for who they are on earth, for what's important to them, for what they've been in their life, for how this person or animal has been a part of their life over the years. And it doesn't take long as a clinician to attend to that, but sometimes we forget or sometimes we don't think it's as important as talking about the medications. It's really important. And it's one of the things that should be on our list to do. That's four. And then number five are the subtleties of communication. And by that, I mean, what are everyone's needs? And it might be that different people have different needs around communication. But as we're thinking about communicating about what's happening within the family or as the clinicians to the family, we really should check in with, are you the kind of person who wants a lot of information? How about your sibling? How, what can we do to support you versus what can we do to support that other sibling? And not assume that all family is the same or that our only job in communication is just to give information. It's really not. 
and even within the family, just because you feel one way about communication does not mean that other people in your family do it the same way. So if you're the emotional one and somebody else is the knowledge one or vice versa, it's all okay, but it's worth paying attention to. It's worth paying attention to what do people need, what can make the suffering of the family members or the patient a little bit less by being understanding about their communication needs. Okay, those are my musings for the week about palliative and end-of-life issues from the other side. I do have some free things that you can download from my website about how to help your loved one who has a serious illness, or if you're a clinician, how to add integrative uh, symptom management to your practice. So feel free to go take a look, integrativepalliative.com. And if there's anything that I can do to support you or your family, please reach out and let me know. All right, have a great week and I will see you next Thursday. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by the Integrative Palliative Institute. IPI has two arms, a training arm for physicians and other clinicians and a family support arm that is there to help family caregivers of people with serious illness go from feeling overwhelmed and exhausted to becoming confident advocates for their loved ones while also taking care of themselves. If you'd like some help on your journey, please reach out. You can find everything that you need at integrativepalliative.com backslash training.